Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. It's great to be with you this morning. Isn't it been a great service so far? God's just speaking to us, encouraging us this morning. Um, I want to share with you this morning just what I believe God is speaking to us. If you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to John 10. I'm going to read a verse. If you've been part of church for a long time or growing up in the church, you probably don't even have to turn there, but I'm still going to encourage you to. I believe that God just wants to speak to us this morning. I believe that he wants to do a few things. One, I believe he wants to encourage you. I believe he wants you to leave here encouraged this morning. But to do that, I also believe he really wants to challenge us. And so this morning, that's what we're going to go for, and that's what we're going to pray that happens. And so, Father, we just thank you for how you've already spoken this morning. I ask your Holy Spirit just to hide me behind your cross. Let my words be your words. Speak to our hearts this morning. Let us leave here encouraged but challenged and transformed to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. So John 10, 10, it says this. The thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. A lot of times we talk about the promises of God, and they are very real, and we need to hang on to those promises. But one of the things we have to understand is the reality of an enemy, the reality of a devil, Satan. What we have to realize is we celebrated Easter, we celebrated Jesus Christ dying for us and raising from the dead, but he did that because we were under captivity by the enemy. And even though that Jesus died and set us free, he's very clear to tell us that there is still an enemy that's prowling around looking to destroy us, looking to pounce at the opportunity. So the moment we give him an opportunity, he's there to pounce. He wants to destroy you. Not only does he want to destroy you, but he wants to kill you. He wants to kill and destroy your hopes. He wants to kill and destroy your dreams. If you're here this morning and you're like, you know what, actually, Chad, I don't feel much hope in my life. And actually, you know what, I haven't dreamed in a long time. It's because the enemy has come and you're believing lies that maybe you can't do what God has promised you or what God has spoken into your life or or somebody has spoken over your life. And we've given in to this belief. The enemy has come not to destroy your hopes and dreams, but also your marriage, your relationships, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with your extended family. We've just gone through two years of division. Two years of something that has divided people, divided churches, divided families, And I believe the enemy is laughing. But what we have to realize is we don't have to believe those lies. You don't have to believe those lies. You don't have to believe the attacks of the enemy. 
You can win back your hopes. You can still win back your dreams and accomplish your dreams. Do you know that you can win back your relationships? Yet that relationship that you think is too far. And maybe it's too, you think it's too far because how much you were hurt. But do you know that deep down inside of you, I know that the Holy Spirit is whispering to you to forgive. Well, Chad, how do you know that? Because he whispers inside of me. And you know that he's restored relationships in my life that I thought would never be restored. I believe this morning as we have worshipped, I believe there's freedom that God wants you to have this morning. Not just from sins, not just from heaviness, but freedom from carrying that bitterness carrying that anger, carrying that hurt. Well, Chad, I tried to forgive, and and you know what? Just a couple days after I did that, the person didn't change, and it was the same. But see, when we pray for forgiveness, when we extend mercy and grace, we don't do it with the asterisk of if they change. Here's what I've learned in my life. Out of everybody in this room, out of everybody in my family, out of everybody who's connected with me, all of my friends, all my coworkers, all the people that I know in my life, God has made it very clear to me that with all of his power, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with his anointing, the only person I can change is me. Do you know how much that stinks? If we're honest, I really want to pray and I really want to release people and really want to be like, God, just touch their hearts. Which maybe needs to happen, but God, touch my heart first. I believe the enemy has broken relationships and he wants to restore those relationships. He wants to restore your lives. I believe there's so many dreams in this place that have been dormant. And I want to speak to everybody in this room, from the youngest in the room to the oldest. Do you have anybody in the room that's over 90, over 80, over 80? Good. Do you know that your dreams aren't done yet? Do you know God still wants to use you? You want to know how I know he wants to use you in the utmost respect? You're breathing. I'm being serious. Your mission, God's dream for your life is done the day and the moment and the second that you meet him. Up until that moment, he wants to use you. I believe there's so many people in this room, you need to begin to remember the promises that the enemy has lied to you, he has stolen from you, he has delayed and you think that means it's over. 
See, some of us think we have made so big of mistakes that we can't get those dreams. We've made these choices and we've sinned and we've, made, we've fallen short of what God has called us to do and we immediately disqualify ourselves because the enemy tells you that you can't do it because of your past. Without going into too much detail, I'll say this. If my past has not stopped me, your past will not stop you. God can take your past and forgive it and work through it if you give it to him. See, James 4, 7 says, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Do you know when we read that, I actually don't believe the hardest part is resisting the devil. I know we just talked about how he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. But I honestly don't believe the hardest part of that verse is resisting the devil. What I actually believe is the hardest part of that verse is submit to God. Well, Chad, we're all here on a Sunday morning. We all woke up early. We all got dressed nice. And we're here worshiping Jesus. I think I've submitted to God. You want to know what you actually did? You agreed with his word that it is good for us to gather together. Do you want to know when submission happens? There is no submit to God. None. Until you disagree with him. And so you read a scripture that you don't like. Or he tells you to do something that you don't like. That's when submission starts. Up to then, I'm just agreeing with God. God, I'm good to do that, because guess what? I like that. It's the scripture verses that we disagree with. Do you know what's interesting? And this, this is how Jesus thinks, and this is how God understands our hearts. Do you know in the Bible, there's not one scripture in there that tells me to pray for my wife? I don't have to pray for Melissa, and I'm actually good with God. Do you want to know why he says he doesn't say it? Because it's natural. We should pray for our spouse. We should pray for our family. It doesn't tell me to pray for my kids, because I naturally do it. Do you want to know who tells me to pray for? I know you already know it. You're saying it in your head, and you're like, don't say it. (laughs) Pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who curse you. You want to know why? Because we don't want to. You know that coworker this week that just rubbed you the wrong way? Pray for them. Bless them. Because when we submit to God, then we resist the devil. He will flee. See, when we submit to God, we have to make sure that he's number one in our lives. If you want to encounter him and experience him fully and completely in your life, he has to be number one. Because if he's not number one, he doesn't fit. 
There's no other way for him to fit in our lives unless he's number one. That means God, for me, then my wife, then my kids, and then my job. Yeah, that means you're down the list, all of you. But if God's not number one, there's problems. I did this years ago, but I'm going to do it again. I'm not sure who this is. I'm just going to take this chair. I don't want to break anything, so I'm going to move this. I hope I don't embarrass anybody. If I do, it's okay. Jeff, will you join me? Scott, will you join me? Ryan, will you join me? Chris, will you join me? Dave, will you join me? How many we got? One, two, three, four, five. Eric, will you join me? Move into the light a little bit more. Can we just turn the stage wash on so you can see these beautiful men? I was going to say, especially Chris. He's got the right haircut. The right glow. All right, so this is going to seem awkward because I just realized what am I fully going to do here. Are you okay with me and my wife? I know. You'll understand why it's all guys for a moment, because if I do this any other way, it's going to be very awkward. You're going to be my kids, all right? You're going to be my work, all right? You're going to be my friends, all right? And you're going to be our community. Because of the glow, you're going to be Jesus. (laughs) You're welcome. You'll appreciate it in the first illustration. Well, you're good, actually. You're good. You'll appreciate this. All right, so here is the way a lot of us get this mixed up. Which one of you is my work? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want to sit down? Many of us put work first. Jeff, to be honest, I didn't intentionally put you there. You still love me? Okay, good. I'll ask this question later. (laughs) Remember that Jesus said to forgive each other. All right. So, we have work. Okay. And then a lot of us, we might get this right. And we might get our spouse next. Dave, can you come and sit on his knee? I should explain to you that this chair... This chair is my life. This chair is my heart. This chair is my heart. So I'm already wrong having Jeff sit here first. Okay? Now, most of us, we should get the next two right. So we have family... 
We have kids. I'm going sw- to switch you from community to hobbies. You're not last. What did I say you were? Friends. Come on over here. Just so you're aware, some of you get this mixed up between your spouses and your kids and your friends. Some of you friends come first. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt that you got this right. Grab a seat. Wherever you would like. All right, so Eric, come on over. I switch Eric from community to hobbies. Because a lot of us have hobbies. A lot of us, and they're all good. Hear me. All of your hobbies are great. I have hobbies. I have sports. I love it all. It's not wrong. But in this sense, it's wrong. Want to grab a seat? Jeff, are you okay back there? You're still good? All right, Chris, come on out here. Hold on. I want you to stand beside me for a minute. Many of you already are like, oh, I know what he's doing. Jesus should have been first. But if we're honest in the room, a lot of our lives look like this. And then we say to Jesus, find a spot. Where can we put you? Because like, And that's what God, that's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I can't jump that high. I know some of you are like, Chad, it's Jesus. He could fly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, okay. But when my hobbies, when my hobbies, which which are good, understand me, hobbies are good. They help us. They help us self-care. They help us look after ourselves. They help us decompress. God actually would give them to us for a purpose. My friends, there's nothing wrong with having friends. There's nothing wrong hanging out with friends. It's important because the Bible tells us that men sharpen men as iron sharpens iron. So when Ryan and I hang out, we can sharpen each other in our walk with Jesus. So we can grow together. We can do Bible studies together. But if there's still not space for God, now what? I'll go to my kids first. Scott and I have hung out enough that there's probably childish things we've done. So for him to be a child at the moment is not a big deal. We actually, when we hang out together, mathematically equate probably a 12-year-old. It's probably giving This is how you know you have friends on the platform when they're like, they don't even know Scott. And they're like, Chad, let's be honest, you're not even that close. Do you know what? Hanging out with my kids, there's nothing ungodly with that. The Bible teaches me to invest in them, to pour into them, to teach them the ways of God. But can I tell you something? If I'm teaching my kids this, 
I heard Stephen Frick preach years ago. He started playing tennis. I don't understand why. If you play tennis, all the power to you. But he's, he took one lesson. Jeff, are you still good? I really, I'm talking longer than I expected. Are you still good? All right. As long as, can you still breathe? Can you still breathe? Oh, so he's just... Physical touch is his love language. So he's leaving here filled right up. These are some of the best responses I couldn't plan. So here's what we have to realize. That actually totally just took my whole train of thought. What was that? Tennis guy, thank you. His, he took one lesson, and then he just started practicing on his own. And when he saw his trainer the next week, his teacher... He's like, so how, you know, they're just talking small talk. How did your week go? Great. I've been practicing every day. Do you want to know what the trainer said? Please don't do that. I know we're all like, wait, practice makes perfect. The trainer said this. That's true if you're practicing right. But you haven't had enough lessons to be practicing right. So don't practice unless you're with me. So as much as I should be teaching my kids the way of God, and hanging out with them. If this is what I have, it's wrong. I know we're playing hopsies here, but my wife's on this side. I was just going to say, I probably should have picked somebody without facial hair to play my wife. I, I, deeply, I deeply apologize for that one. Do you know that we're supposed to pray together? We're supposed to invest in each other. I'm, I'm actually supposed to cover her and protect her. But for me to do that, I can't do it with Jesus over there. Not when my heart's back here. See, between my heart and my wife, there should only be one thing. And that should be Jesus. Jesus. See, for a lot of us in this room, we believe the lie of the enemy that success in our lives, the number one thing is our work. Want to know how we know that? When you meet somebody for the first time. Hey, I'm Chad. Hey, Mike. Usually our first question after that is like, what's your name? What do you do? And as much as we say, well, we just want to learn about each other, we're actually establishing a pecking order, if we're honest. I was just with a whole pile of pastors yesterday. And one of the first things pastors always ask is, how's your church doing? Which is really just code word for, how big's your church? I'm training myself that when I talk to other pastors, I ask this question first. How is your family? Because you want to know what we don't ask each other? We don't ask each other how our family is. You guys can stand up for a moment. Stay here, though. Stay here. Stay here. Jeff, can you stand? Okay, good. (laughs) 
when we submit to God, we submit every area of our lives. Chris, will you come sit down for a minute? Here's what I believe. That if Jesus sits on the throne of your heart, you don't worry about how the other things pile on top. Because if Jesus is first, here's what I want you guys to do. Just come out. And I don't want you to sit on him. I want you to surround him. Just kind of form a circle. You can block the camera. It's okay. If Jesus is on the throne of your heart and you submit all of these things to him, doesn't this look a little more orderly? Doesn't it feel immediately like less pressure on your heart? Remember, your heart's the chair. Doesn't this feel a little more comfortable? I don't know about you, but when I see this, I can handle this. When we switch it around, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of weight. There's a lot of burden. And we just have to submit to God all of this. Now hear me. That's why I believe it's the hardest part. Because this is a lot. And it's not that it's a lot to submit. It's a lot to trust. Can I trust God with my relationship with my wife? Through all of it? Through the ups and downs? When we're not getting along? Christian marriages don't get along all the time. Can we trust God in the highs and the lows? What about my kids? Can I trust God with my kids? I don't know what my kids are up to. I don't know what the relationship with Jesus is like. I've tried my best. I've tried to share with them. I tried to teach them. I tried to illustrate it for them. I tried to show them. But I don't know. Can I submit and trust God? Can I trust God with my job? Some of you in the room right now, you might not have work. And you're trying to trust God to find you work. Do you know that he does have a place for you? Here's the amazing thing. And I've seen it happen in this last year. When we put God in this order, I've seen amazing times where friends that are connected to God, that serve God, have actually helped each other find a healthy place to work. If God's first and then your family, work will look after it. Because here's the thing. Here's what I've realized as a pastor. And you need to understand this about your job. If something was to happen to you today, 
your work would hire somebody within a couple weeks to replace you. Well, Chad, you don't know what I know. They'll replace you in a heartbeat. I know that if something was to happen to me today, next Sunday, you have incredible pastors here at church that will speak and you will not even realize that I'm not here because I will be replaced. Do you want to know where I'm not replaced? I'm not replaced right here. I can't be replaced here. Well, technically, Chad, if you died, Melissa could remarry. Absolutely, she could. And if I know God, he'd give her somebody better. But I would never be replaced in a part of their hearts. My work will move on. My friends would move on. And my hobbies will be done. Hobbies are good because they actually connect us to friends, which is healthy. But if they misplaced and they take priority over your kids or over your wife or over Jesus, it's out of alignment. This is why we have to submit our whole lives. Can you give these guys a hand? We'll have a seat, guys. Thank you. James 4, 8 says this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. That's a little strong. But most of us, when it comes to trusting God, there's probably areas that we need to repent. And when we lay it at his feet, he will give us his joy. He will give us his victory. We'll walk in a lightness and freedom. We just have to obey his commands. Second Chronicles 7, 14 to 16, it says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. He'll heal your family. He'll heal your relationships. He'll heal your home. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. For now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Perpetually means in a way that never ends or changes, constantly. I just love the way they explain it, and you'll get it. Hungry teenage boys. My eyes and my heart will be there. Can I get the prayer team just to join me at the front? This morning, I believe that God wants you to walk out of here free. 
I believe he wants you to walk out of here restored to him. Now, do you know why when it talks in the scriptures for his people, when it talks about repenting, when it talks about asking for forgiveness, a lot of times you want to know what word is also in that verse? Humble themselves. I guess it's two words. Humble themselves. Because some point in our Christian walk, in our churches, we have this idea that anybody that walks from a chair to the front, there must be something wrong. Do you know when I sat up here, I put my hand on Dave and I said, you know, can I trust God with my wife through the ups and downs? And then I said, Christian marriages have ups and downs. You all kind of laughed but you want to know something? We're not honest about them. And that's why so many people in church struggle by themselves. Because the enemy who's come to lie, steal, kill, and destroy has lied to you that you're the only one. But doesn't he tempt you by saying, everybody's doing this. And then the immediately, as soon as you do something, he immediately says, don't tell anybody, you're the only one. Do you understand how, like I'm exposing the lies of the enemy to you right now so that you go, that's what he did yesterday. (laughs) And I believed him. So if you're beginning to realize that he lied to you yesterday, can I tell you something? He's lying to you right now. Because he doesn't want you to walk in freedom. Chad, I've, I've, I've gone to the front many times and prayed about this. Yes. And so have I. But when you walk out of here today, we've exposed the lies of the enemy So when he goes to lie to you, you can identify it and break it off and walk away. And submit to God all of your life. And he will flee from you. So I just want you to stand for this morning. I'm not sure. uh, Zach, if you can hear me and just come to the keys, that would be great. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I'm going to challenge you, and you don't have to listen. But I don't want you to leave here with the same stuff you walked in with. And I promise you that as we did this silly illustration, and you laughed, I know that Holy Spirit was sitting there just going, that one. I'm not saying all of them. But I'm willing to bet that God said, that one, that one. That's the one that's on the chair before me. Maybe it wasn't in the order that I stacked them. But unless you know, and I mean confidently, that Jesus is the first one on that chair, 
out of every area of your life. Now, how do I know he's the first one on that chair? There's no fear or doubt. When I'm fearful for my marriage, when I'm questioning, hey, are we good? I'm not sure. I'm believing a lie of the enemy because he's telling me it's out of order. When I'm worried about my kids, that I'm not trusting God, that he's at the throne of my life. When I'm worried about my friends, when I'm worried about all the areas of my life, the only time there's worry is when I don't believe God's on the throne. That's how I know every one of us shouldn't leave this place without prayer. Well, Chad, I can pray at home. You can't. But as we go to gather tonight together to pray here, I believe that there's power when we pray together. Because I'm willing to bet you prayed about it at home before. So I want to pray over you, and we're going to dismiss the service. But can you please not worry about lunch? Come and receive prayer. Honestly, if you're like, well, I do have to get out of here. Why start to pray? Be the first one. Then you can get out of here faster. That's your invitation. Don't leave here without receiving prayer. So as I pray, you can move. I'm never embarrassed by that. But come, do not leave this place. So begin just to come to the front. Father, I thank you for how you've spoken to us today. And Lord, I know that everyone in this room, if we're honest, we need prayer. Because there's a freedom that we can walk in because Jesus, you sacrificed and laid down your life for us. We just have to give it all to you, every part. And Lord, in those moments where we question, where we have doubt, where we have fear, Lord, we just give it back to you. We place you on the throne of our hearts and we humble ourselves and we receive prayer. So Father, I pray for breakthrough today. I pray for promises restored. I pray for hope to come alive. I pray for marriages to be strengthened and healed. I pray for parents and children, the relationships to be touched and mended. I pray for families to be healed today. Lord, I pray for hurt and bitterness in people's hearts that are in this room or online that, Lord, is just released today. Because, Father, we trust you. And so, Lord, we just give it all to you this morning. And we ask you to bring healing to our hearts and bring freedom to our lives as we build our foundation on you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You are dismissed. I encourage you, please don't leave without receiving prayer. And we pray tonight here together at 6.30. Come and join us. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.